So far on Folk on Foot, the weather gods have smiled on us. We've taken a few chances. We went to the Northumberland coast in January and the shores of Loch Ness in February and it didn't rain. But today it's June and we're in the Peak District and rain is very much on the cards. So is wind. But it's glorious countryside here in Edale at the end of the Pennine Way. And we're looking forward to a wonderful walk come wind and high weather. We're here to meet the singer, fiddle player and songwriter Bella Hardy, who was the Radio 2 Folk Singer of the Year in 2015. She's lived in Edale since she was one year old and the place has had a profound effect on her music. It crops up in lots of her songs and is the entire subject of one of her albums, The Dark Peak and the White. Who better to take us on a walk through Edale? So just by the station there's this lovely cafe called the Penny Pot Cafe where they do a lovely rock cake and cup of tea and this is where we're hoping to meet Bella. As you can hear there's quite a few young people here who've been spending the night camping out because they're doing their Silver Duke of Edinburgh Award. They look a little bit bedraggled but largely upbeat. Hello, Hello. Hello, Natalie. Hello. I've been emailing. Hi, Matthew. Hello, Matthew. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. And this is Paul, who's going to take pictures. And Very good. Have you had a coffee? We've Have been you... in and had a cup of coffee. Did yes. you see the... Uh... Jukebox, the new jukebox. At well, the back. we did see the jukebox. Yes. Uh -huh. What have they got in there? Is there anything interesting? Uh, yes. It's actually a Jeremy Della artwork. Oh, I don't is know if it? you noticed that. Yeah. Oh, how wonderful. I know. Edale, you never know what you're going to get. You really don't. Are you happy for walking in the rain? I'm perfectly happy. I mean, I've lived in Edale all my life, pretty much. So <laughs> walking in the rain is, I think, the only form of walking that is valid. Where are you going to take us? We're going to go this way. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I think, to begin. It's the um, beginning of the Pennine Way here, It's the beginning it? of the Pennine Way. It's the most popular place to live in the Midlands, apparently. There's a few people who are quite angry with it being classified into the Midlands. Uh, we'll just pull up here. There's, what, they there's think it's the North, do they? Oh, yes. Yeah. Well, the, I did a little project recently called Backbone of Our Land, um, which was a project with Sky Arts 50. They commissioned 50 projects to do with Brexit and the referendum. And myself and three poets and two other musicians were looking at the North and what it meant to be from the North. And so I was interviewing people up and down, you know, especially around here at the Pennines. And they decided that the North must end at Edale Village Hall. <laughs> <laughs> if, the, if the Pennine Way was kind of in the North, then the North ends officially. Because we're kind of halfway between Sheffield and Manchester, we are, aren't we? Directly in between Sheffield yeah. and Manchester. And you came here when you were one? 
Yeah. Which I assume you can't remember much about. No. But why did your family <laughs> come here? Um, my dad came to run the youth hostel. So before that, they ran a youth hostel in Charlbury in Oxfordshire. And then before that, they were in the Lake District, uh, where my biggest sister, Beth, was born. Emma was born in Charlbury, as was I. And then, yeah, we moved here when I was one. So I don't remember anything before. And I do tend to just say, you know, people will be like, oh, born and bred in Edale. You're, yes, yes, I am. Let's <laughs> pretend that well, certainly that bread. one year didn't happen. <laughs> certainly bread. Um, certainly and what bread. is it about the place that you love so much? Because you're here still. You haven't left. You know, oh, so I, some I did people... get away for a bit. Yeah. I did escape briefly. Um, I mean, look at it. It is absolutely <laughs> even cool, in even the rain, on a wet day. I actually really love the wet days because there's a certain gloomy atmosphere you get to the... It all gets a bit withering height as, <laughs> as soon as the rain starts coming down. It's fantastically gloomy. And has being here really influenced the kind of music that you've made? Have you picked up on music from this area, for example? I certainly have picked up on music from this area. I think in a more general way, it's very hard to tell at the time that you are being thoroughly influenced by what's around you. But when I listen back to my albums, it gets mentioned again and again and again at Edale in some reference or other, whether it's one of the landmarks or quite often kind of my valley turns up. There's a song about stars in China where all of a sudden I'm talking about Edale. <laughs> <laughs> And you, and you wrote a whole album, I wrote a whole album The Dark well. Peak and the White. Yeah, well, I, I've always, you know, loved traditional music. I come from a ballad singing background, a traditional music background. And we have local carols here. I think I'll probably sing you a local carol, actually. Oh, that would um, be great. From Castleton, because we have North Derbyshire, South Yorkshire carols. And there wasn't really any other songs I knew from the area, so I kind of actually started by going on Google Books and trying to find things with references to Edale or local places. And I found the Derbyshire Ballads in Google Books first. Right. We're right by the train line here. Look, the train's going past. Uh -huh. The train is our lifeline. <laughs> it used to be a milk train many years ago. It used to come in and collect the milk when there was dairies all up and down the Edel. No dairy left, sadly. So you started researching songs from, yes. from this area? Yep. And I found this book, The Ballads and Songs of Derbyshire, and that had a good few from the Peak District. Down. In yon forest there stands a hole The bells of paradise, I heard them ring It's covered all over And I love my Lord Jesus above anything. A night that lies upon a bed, the bells of paradise, I had them Scarlet's the coverlet over him spread And I love my Lord Jesus above anything 
At the end of that bed there grows a thorn The bells of paradise, I heard them ring It blooms ere it blossoms the day he was born And I love my Lord Jesus above And I started finding other stories and writing songs from stories that people had. There was a story in Bradwell very nearby about a ghost girl, which is the Lum Boggart. It's a fish that swims in the Lum and oh. turns into a white oozel and flies over the village. Lots of the locals will say they've seen the, the white bird flying over. It's a, a piece of folklore that had never had a song before, so I got myself a ballad out of that one, which is lovely. <laughs> <laughs> Under that bed there runs a flood The bells of paradise I heard them ring A half it runs water The other runs blood And I love my Lord Jesus above anything and over that place the moon shines bright the bells of paradise I heard them ring to tell that our saviour was born this And, and is this the dark wounded. peak here? This is here. the dark peak. So what? the dark peak is the gritstone and the white peak is the limestone. That's the division. The dark peak is the north of the Peak District. Actually, really just south of this village is Castleton, just over the hill. Castleton is a bit of a mixture of both, but that's the point that the limestone starts. And from there on, you know, you've got Bradwell, which is very much limestone because you've got your um, quarry there. And yeah, you get all the beautiful limestone flowers in the, in the white peak as well. But I'm a dark peak girl myself. I can't be helped. It's in the blood. Quite literally. <laughs> it's, 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 we're getting quite wet here, standing uh -huh. under the trees. So let's let's keep walking forward al alongside the railway we're line. We're actually going to go backwards uh, and, and along this field, along to come this back field. and over the railway line at a, a farm track just up ahead. Okay. <laughs> so we're just coming into Barber Booth actually down here, which is Edale is divided into booths, which are dwellings and lodgings around one area. And we're just over the train track and up to the left of us now. That's the far end of the valley, Edale end, at the end of the, the rails there. And just over that first brow is actually the reservoirs. So I, I think Lady Bower would be the first one there. 
and then you're looking out towards Sheffield after you that. Can see kind through of, the mist. Those you can. Hills just stretching towards the Sheffield. The misty mountains of home. Yeah. The, um, <laughs> the yeah, very much kind of three just levels of hills there, and then the three three peaks before Sheffield, and then this way is the Calburn Tunnel, which is a, this is a Sheffield to Manchester railway line, and this Calburn Tunnel brings you out at the other end. There's no Chinley, and then New Mills, and further on towards Manchester on that side. Big long tunnel. So what brought you back here? Why did you decide to come back after time away? Oh, that's a good question. I think I was always coming back a lot. I was always home very regularly. And there's a pull about this place that's undeniable. I don't know if it's the comfort. I always feel like with these hills, you almost kind of, I don't know, dog basket is maybe the best way, but some kind of basket or... You know, it's very well, encompassing. Because you're surrounded uh, yeah. like a cocoon yeah, of absolutely. hills. Yeah, absolutely. It's really, there's something very comforting about it, I think. And I've always felt comforted when I've come home, just by the landscape as much as the fact that I know everybody. You know, we don't have a fast turnaround of people. There's 350 people in seven miles here, and there's not many moving in and out very often. So there's, you know, I've known most of, you know, a good lot of the people here all of my life and babysat half their children when they were young, you know, watched them growing older and it's very much my home and I couldn't deny that in the end and I think I spent a lot of time going around the world looking for a home you know I think so much of what we do is about trying to find a place that feels like home and so much of the music we make so much folk song has home and that sense of somewhere we belong and then I suddenly realized that I was there all along <laughs> and I just <laughs> and, came and back and it was here easier. as well yeah my mum's still here we're actually going to go for a cup of tea at my mum's house on the loop I think that we do today and um, my mum's still here my dad's just down the road as well the other way my sisters aren't so far away either and I was in Tennessee before that so it's certainly a darn sight closer to my sisters than Tennessee was <laughs> oh, a bit of a contrast um, I would imagine uh, not so much as you'd imagine I don't think actually uh, mud levels there's much less mud in Tennessee uh, and the mud is red over there but um, some contrast some political contrast that's for sure but uh, lots of similarities I've found everywhere I've been in the world is that humans are actually quite similar wherever you go <laughs> shall we move on I'm the cup of tea is calling the cup me. of tea is calling you're <laughs> 10 minutes away from your cup of tea thank you <laughs> so we've come into the grounds now of the of the Methodist chapel mm -hmm. is that a historic building it is it's a lovely old building it says 1811 here just above the door um, it's, it's a fantastic building and graveyard. And one of my favourite things in this graveyard is that the, the names that are on the, the tombstones are local names, lots of the families are still here. But it also has the farm that they were on, so you can track where people have been and lived in the valley by what's on their graves, which is fantastic. Have you ever played music inside here? I actually here? teach in here sometimes. So I teach a group called Saturday Singers in Edale, which I started oh, a year and a half ago when I kind of was first moving home permanently. Um, so many people came up to me and said, oh, you know, you, would you would you lead a choir? We already have a great little Edale church choir. Would you do something so we can sing? And so I said, yeah, OK, but I didn't want to do it weekly because people have stuff to do and I would be cancelling for tours all the time and all the rest of it. So on the first Saturday of the month, I started doing this group and I had 17 at the first. And the first one of this year, we had 58. Wow. So I started a second one in Hathersage this year. But when the Village Hall in Edale is booked, which is where I usually do it, I come to the Methodist Chapel and I do it here. And what sort of repertoire are you teaching them? Uh, we do a two-hour workshop and I do folk in the first half. We do three-part harmony traditional song. They learn by ear. No words and no dots until you've learned it all by ear. And then we have a tea break. <laughs> and then we work on a bit more. And in the last, uh, you know, 20 minutes, half an hour, we do something a bit more familiar. So we've done, you know, Lean on Me. And uh, I can see clearly now the rain has gone. And all those kind of fantastic 
feelings. It's good you should mention that because the rain has stopped for a moment. I can see clearly now. <laughs> Almost clearly. The hills are still a little bit shrouded. But, but uh, Bella, how did you first come into contact with folk music? Was it something that was in your family? A little bit. It was, I think for me, folk music was community music and I didn't really realise there were separate things and I still don't really think they are separate things. But there was so much community music in Edel growing up. I sang in the choir and then there was always a music hall or a group sing or just something fun going on. And my dad comes from Hull and he used to sing washing up shanties washing Got up shanties washing up shanties he knew the Waterson songs and I think he'd kind of grown up with them singing around Hull and so what when you were doing the washing up it would, was how to make children do the washing up is to sing a joining in song it could be a shanty I mean sea shanties or land shanties it could be any song really with a bit of a chorus and so he knew some songs he would sing them in the kitchen I've actually got tape somewhere of him singing at one point he'd tells me not to climb into the washing machine so <laughs> so he was singing my mum was a lovely piano player so I think I was very lucky that there was a lot of music our primary school headmaster was a jazz pianist he was from Elephant and what about Castle the fiddle when did you take that up it's my granddad's fiddle that I play so it was always in the house. It was a little bit forced when it was just classical. And then I joined the Cayley Band at secondary school and suddenly it all made sense. And it was just fun. And I went to the Folkworks Youth Summer School when I was 12, 13. And before that, I'd never really taken the fiddle seriously. What's the Folkworks Youth Summer School like? Uh, well, it was, and I believe still is, far too much fun. It was in Durham. It's still in Durham. And they still hold them, I think. It hadn't been going very long, but so many people you know have been to them. You know, Rachel and Thank was going when I was younger, and it was amazing. It was like meeting the best, well, friends that I've got now. And I was, uh, we formed a band there the first time I went called The Pack, and we started playing at festivals to get free tickets to festivals so we could see each other, so we could have a drink and a bit of a party. And that's how <laughs> I became a musician. What age were you when you were playing at festivals? For Third, the we did time. our first show when I was 13, and then we headlined Cambridge Main Stage when I was 18. So wow. we did five years' worth of festivaling <laughs> between those times, and then, uh, yeah. And what about writing your own material? When did that come into the picture? I think it was a byproduct of always singing, really. Part of the thing, when you are singing a lot, I don't know, I just I made stuff up. As a very young girl, I made stuff up. I remember my friend Lizzie Archer and I wrote a song when we were still at primary school called The Valley of Death. Ooh. So I was obviously was already... One, it was. I was already <laughs> priming myself for folk balladry at that point, I think. I think it was based on Earth Song by Michael Jackson. Do you remember all the, you know, the video of all the animals dying? And yes. I, think, I think it was based on that. Uh, I know, early influences. <laughs> do you find it easier to write story songs mm-hmm. than you do to write personal material? It's absolutely every way, which way. And I can't really control the writing. I've never been very good at setting out with a purpose I, I kind of have got a commission though sometimes you really do have to beat them out of yourself you know you have to sit down and say I'm not leaving this table until something is on the sheet but I tend not to edit in the process I just do what I feel like doing and sometimes I just have a story in my head and it writes itself and quite often it's inspired by something like the herring girl uh, was inspired by a documentary that had been on BBC4 about the herring girl trade about these girls who were gutting the herring um, and barreling them up and equally the the personal writing is I wouldn't say it's therapy because that's a very dangerous road to go down I think sometimes but it's uh, I kind of always thought of them as postcards to people who you know when you're away on tour you just want to talk to somebody you want to communicate quite often to be honest they're postcards to my sisters half my letters are postcards to my sisters going this is what's happening today and this is how I feel and oh, I miss you <laughs> but therapeutic you know. in the sense that it's a way of exercising those yeah. feelings that are inside you or getting them out yeah you know, just, in the way that therapy is you know talking to yeah. someone else about things absolutely it's therapeutic in that way it's a way of making sense of the world or at least trying to make sense of the world that is unfolding ahead of you
Not sleeping beneath a tequila moon. Another harmony is come and gone too soon, and we are still not sleeping beneath that tequila moon. Spirit radio plays to a star-festoon And we are still not sleeping So what can we see now? We're really surrounded by a bowl of hills, aren't yeah, we? Yeah, absolutely. So 
We're just sheltered in some trees between Barber Booth and Upper Booth. The wind is giving it a good blow. Um, to the end here is Edel Cross. We've got Jacob's Ladder as the path that carries on up from Upper Booth, up the hill, up the hill, until you get to Edel Cross uh, at the top. There's actually a division of three Saxon kingdoms up at that end of the valley. It's always fun. <laughs> and yeah. then coming on around the hill here, the Woolpacks are at the top of the next dale here is Crowden, going up the Crow's Den. I've actually got a tune called Crowden Jig, which is this little valley here. And then this is Kinder Scout behind us. So the Kinder Plateau is out back there. Um, I think coming up along here, Broadley Bank just popping up halfway up this hill here. Horse Hill Tor over here and Brown Knoll behind it. And then over, of course, is Mantor, one of the more famous hills uh, over on that side of the valley, the Mother Hill. Broadley Bank, hang on a minute, I recognise that name as well, is there a tune? <sighs> Broadley Bank is a tune, a fiddle tune I might play for you actually, um, written because that's Broadley Bank, I will walk you there on the way home I think, as long as the weather doesn't beat us down too much, because uh, it's one of my favourite spots, because you can see all the way up the valley and all the way down the valley, it's, you know, it's a kind of a slightly curved valley and from anywhere else Upper Booth is tucked away or the rest of the valley is tucked away, but from there you can see the whole seven miles, so we'll try and get that in And then the wind blew! <laughs> so we're just walking down the farmyard to my mum's house. Well, when we leave, we'll go back out the top end of the farmyard. So nice hens here. Absolutely. Got a few chickens. There was a cockerel. I, I dropped my fiddle off earlier, I will say. I didn't, I didn't think I'd walk it through the rains, poor thing. So I came earlier and had to... And is the this cockerel out the house because it come in the kitchen. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Is, this, is this a booth? This is upper booth. Right. Upper and what booth. is a booth? Uh, a booth is uh, a collection of houses around a yard, usually. It's a, a communal cluster of houses. Um, and Edel is made up of a selection of booths. This is the top end, upper booth. And then next we went through Barber Booth. Grindsbrook, where the main village is, is Grindsbrook Booth, actually. People say that's Edale. It's not. It's Grindsbrook Booth. Edale is the whole valley. And then Ollabrook, Ollabrook Booth, the next one down. Nether Booth, Lady Booth. Gets used two different names down there. And um, is that unique, that term, Booth, for a hamlet? I don't think it's used anywhere else. And I've no idea how we got it and the rest of the world didn't. But yeah, Booth, all following the, the names. This was Crowden Booth, apparently, originally. And Crowden is the, the valley that leads up the hill here, uh, up towards Kinder. So, uh, the crow's den. But and is your mum in today? My mum's on a walking holiday in Northumberland. <laughs> right, does she know and we're going to go she, into our house? I don't think she does. All right. Sorry, well, we'll, mum. We'll keep it quiet if uh -huh. you do. <laughs> I'll only make a cup of tea and I bought my own biscuits, so we'll be all right. We'll be all right. shelter from the rain, though. <laughs> yeah. Can we take the milk in? No, let's definitely take the milk in. We'll need that for tea. So, buddy, you've, you've got two fiddles. I've got two fiddles. So this one is my granddad's fiddle, the lighter of the two. Um, it's quite a big fiddle, so I learned to play on it, but the action, as we call it, which is the distance between the string and the fingerboard there, it's the same on the guitar, the action is quite big, so it's actually quite hard to play, because you have to press hard to make it kind of flat. Yeah. This one I bought for myself, um, the smaller of the two, and it has a really low action, and it's quite a small fiddle, really. Especially Much smaller than the other one, it, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, no, even just in the... They're both full size, but just the depth of that one. You're very welcome to pick them up 
and play a tune, obviously, Matthew. I'm sure you're just <laughs> desperate after that countryside walk to but burst they, into a tune. They've got a, they've got a sort of double buggy here, they haven't have they? You've got them in, a, in the case where yeah. they sit side by side. They've never parted. Beautiful. They're never parted. <laughs> it's very useful indeed. And you've put the kettle on, which is great. So we've got a cup we've, of tea on the go. We've got the teapot made. It's just mashing. So Fantastic. hopefully that'll be all right. And I'll see if I can put these in some kind of tuning. They haven't had to walk here, so they're... They shouldn't be too miserable, I don't think. Do um, you practice every day or? Um, I've never been uh, a very, I've never been very well behaved as, you know, as it would be if you were a child, you know, that, do you practice? I don't, I was never good at practicing. I try and play as often as I can. Uh, very much I see it as play. I think as soon as you see something that is meant to be a chore, as just a fun activity, which is kind of what folk music is all about, really, especially the kind of social playing of it. Then it's so much more fun, which is why I started enjoying it as a teenager. Um, I do play most. They hang on the walls so they to remind me that they're there, and I do play them. <laughs> so you don't keep them in their cases. They're yeah. actually out there. They're always out on the wall, getting, getting some attention and getting played. Lovely. And this one, my granddad's one, actually, only ever gets plucked nowadays. Right. Um, some, the, having the larger action and the bigger uh, box as well, this bigger body, uh, it's more resonant. So it kind of makes a larger sound to sing against if you, when, when I pluck it. Uh, and this one, because it's smaller, is quieter for the fiddle singing when I'm bowing it. So And it means I can have them in two different tunings at gigs. And I don't make a big mess on my hands, and, you know, because otherwise I'd be covering my plucky one with rosin all the time and it would be all get a bit... Ooh. I'm always fascinated by that ability to sing and play at the same time and I obviously appreciate that people play guitars and mm -hmm. sing at the same time and play pianos and sing at the same time but yeah. with a violin which is so close to the human voice uh -huh. and where you have to listen so carefully to the intonation yeah how do you manage that I think that's one of the great joys of it it's, it's like having a second singer with you it's like singing in two-bar harmony with something and I think that is you know more than any other instrument one of the great joys because it sounds like you're you've got another singer and you also use the fiddle in so many different ways do, now yeah. you use it as a plucked instrument yeah. as well as as a bowed instrument yeah. have you just been developing different techniques over the years absolutely and i think it was um there was a record i was making and i was writing a tune to a song and i'd said to the producer or oh, i think it sounds going to sound a bit like this and i was just plucking the tune and i was like why do you not just do that why are you not plucking this fiddle like, oh that's I, I don't know i just not thought of it and i don't play the guitar and i don't play an, an accompanying instrument and actually it's just developed that way and i love plucking the fiddle and i think it's it is a useful thing to have in your arsenal for shows because it makes it something a bit different um than just fiddle singing for an hour and a half at people which can be a bit intense but also it, it's there's something quite unique about it and it's a quite a, a strange sound you know it's not what people expect which is always quite fun <laughs> would, you, would you do something yeah. like the fiddle I think for I'll, us i think i'll do sleeping beauty for you which was on an album called battle plan a few yes ago. i love this song oh good yes. thank you oh that's a good job <laughs> so i wrote this song partly after a, a dream i'd had when my sister told me off for being asleep because she said I was lazy. In my dream, that was. My sister was telling me off while I was asleep. It was very cruel. Mm. Um, and then uh, I'd just been reading... Uh, there was a new book of Grimm's fairy tales that Philip Pullman had put together and I'd just been reading an article he'd written about that and about women's roles in fairy stories. And really this was a culmination of those things. And there's a little bit of the Scottish play that's quoted in here as well. So you've got some Shakespeare stolen as well in this one, Sleeping Beauty. Go 
ghosts by my bed I see when I'm waking And I sigh to my sister I'd rather be sleeping Last night I dived in the deep blue sea With a man that loved me Why couldn't I stay Sleeping beauty in the broad light of day How the ugly shows in me With my soft eyes closed I was his perfection But here I stand before you now With my eyes wide open I'm flighty and I'm lusty And as she said, hell's murky We go out and we live and we roam And then we bring the worst of ourselves home again And wars, they are lost before they're begun The battles, oh they never go From the moment I rise To the moment I close my eyes But here I stand before you It strikes me, uh, Bada, that you're open to all sorts of mm-hmm. new ideas and cultures and mm-hmm. so on. You, you went to China, I think, for a time, didn't you? I was in you? China for two months in 2015, 
as the British Council musician in residence in Yunnan province, right in the southwest of China. What did you do while you were there? Well, all sorts. <laughs> um, I, I, I kind of really wanted to learn about Chinese traditional song and that intangible culture, they call it. And I, I did all sorts of amazing things. Thankfully, I was sponsored by an arts a company over there who took me out into the countryside on kind of week-long, two-week, three-week trips to the countryside. And I did ginger farming with a ginger farming woman and her husband. And, you know, as I collected the ginger with them, they sang me one of their traditional songs. And the interpreter would tell me what it was about and I would sing them one back that was somehow related to the British tradition. And I just, I found... I had so much similarity. You know, I did go out slightly hoping to. I was looking for it, but it was overwhelming, the amount of similarity there was. What sort of similarity? Well, just themes of songs. So they'd say, oh, you know, we have a theme here about flowers and the kind of flowers that you have and uh, somebody growing flowers, but it's all a metaphor for love. And I think, oh, I think I've... I think I've heard of a song called The Seeds of Love from England and uh, it seems to be quite a similar theme. All of the things that the songs were about, you just find in every song here as well. All their ballads seem to have echoes in our ballads and I mean, the people there just echoed the people I knew here as well in so many ways. The dancing was Morris dancing, so much really? of it. Really? Yeah. But you saw some Morris dancing Well, out I, there. not technically Morris dancing. <laughs> I was talking to a wonderful bearer of his tradition of the E people, because there's lots of minority peoples, especially in Yunnan province. It's very populated by Chinese minority peoples. And lots of them still live in the places, you know, that their culture has been for hundreds and hundreds of years, and they, they don't go into the city. Lots of the cities do have them living in, in different areas as well. Um, this fella was a man of the e-people and he danced for me his tobacco box dance which was literally the box he kept his tobacco in that he took apart and flicked with his fingers as a kind of thumb drum as he danced and he flicked it and danced and waved his legs and it looked exactly like one solo man Morris dancing and I actually did a presentation in China where I managed to get a clip of Morris dancing for them to see as well so I showed a clip of this man dancing in in Yunnan and then a clip of the Morris dancing put them next to each other so the people in China knew you know it's just the same at home it really was amazing the similarities and how did the Chinese musicians react when you sang an English song to them Oh, they, I mean, they were so receptive in general. But what I tried to do and ended up doing mainly was a kind of interaction between the two. So I was often using the Shijing, which is an ancient book of Chinese poetry that dates from 1800, sorry, 800 to 1100 BC. So a very ancient book of text they have. And I was using that and putting music to it and also setting my own poetry to the two things and um, and really trying to intertwine the two things together. And I had, uh, I actually did a performance which I recorded and released as a record called Eternal Spring because Kunming is the city of Yunnan, is the city of Eternal Spring, they call it. And um, I had myself on the fiddle and singing and a Gujong player, which is one of these great Chinese zithers, and a Chinese singer and, and a girl who was an American tourist over there, she was doing the English backing vocals for me. And then one Chinese girl also doing poetry for me. So we had five of us on stage doing it. It was a lovely experience, very much just all of it together. And we recorded it live as it was. And it's one of those wonderful things. I've stayed friends with the girls in China, but also when I was then touring later in... Maryland, I think. I was quite near Washington, D.C. I stayed with the tourist girl. And it also, of course, turns out that her neighbour is the brother of somebody who lives in Edale. <laughs> you know, it's one of those... The, the world, world is a very is small so place. Small, so I managed to get from Kunming in China to Washington, D.C. and back to Edale again in one full circle of humans. <laughs>
Well, should we go back out into Edo I think and do we a bit should. of walking? I think if we stay here too long, we'll never leave. It could be very cosy here it's in this sitting room, isn't it? It really yeah. is. So I'll do Broadly Bank, which is where we will walk on our way home. And actually, this is quite a gloomy weather tune, so it's going to be quite suitable for our journey back, I think. There's a whole flock of sheep coming. Do you think we're causing an obstruction? They've all I think, stopped. I think we're all right. I think they'll carry on past us. They don't have anywhere to go yet until the gate gets opened. I can't see a farmer or I, a dog. I oh, yes, see, I see I the farmer now, yeah. I can see Robert. They're very vocal, aren't they? <laughs> what is all this? We're taking a loop round from a different direction from the way we came, aren't we? We are. So we came along kind of really by the railway line and the river, not far from either, along the kind of base of the valley. We're going a route that kind of just nips halfway up one of the hills, which is Broadly Bank, this landslide area, halfway up the hill to our left, which is the north side of the valley. And the inspiration for your instrumental. And the inspiration for the tune Broadly Bank, absolutely. You can feel the gloom on a day like this that creeps into a fiddle tune, can't you? Yeah, <laughs> you can. Bella, we're back in the village and we're back at your house now. We so we're a bit damper and <laughs> a bit more bedraggled than yeah. we were when we set out. Absolutely, it blew at us on the way down the hill. But what an exhilarating walk. Thank you mm -hmm. so much. And it's been so beautiful to hear your singing and your playing. You're thank you for showing us Edale today. You're very welcome. I'm, I'm awfully proud of it. So thank you for coming along.
Well, if you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe or follow us to make sure you get all our episodes just as soon as they're launched. And please rate and review us so others can find us. If you'd like to make a small monthly donation to help us produce more wonderful episodes, you can become a patron by going to folkonfoot.com and clicking on Support Us. To keep up with the latest information, you can sign up for our newsletter at folkonfoot.com or follow us on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram with the handle at folkonfoot. We hope you enjoy listening to Folk on Foot just as much as we love making it. <laughs>